Hey everybody, welcome back to Vulnerabilities the New Sexy. This episode hit me in a personal place. I understand what it means to be out there trying to break the cycle. I understand what it means to get it out the mud. I understand what it means to minimize your own struggle for the sake of making everybody around you comfortable. And this week, my guest Jackie Lobo um, also understands those things. In this episode, we touch on so many different topics. Her being a child of immigrants, the first person in her family to graduate from high school in America and to attend college. English being her second language, uh, her journey to break the cycles of poverty in her family, and uh, how she dealt with several mental health crises, um, crises, I'm not sure, one of you English majors can correct me on that, um, she lost a friend who died by suicide had a friend attempt had her own battles uh, with mental health going to the dark places and she overcame and is overcoming I should say because she's still in her journey she's only 20 years old and um, she's a former student of mine and um, her story just really touched me uh, it impacted me I feel so blessed to have been able to sit and have this conversation and I want everybody to take a moment, relax, whatever you're doing out there, you're working out, you're cleaning up, you're doing, you know, following the reports at work, whatever you're doing, pay attention to what this is because this is a masterclass at dealing with adversity by a 20 year old woman was still trying to figure it out and I won't say anything more Uh, sit back listen and I really hope you get an opportunity to get to know Jackie through this interview thank you Jackie yep how are you today I'm good. Good, good. So I really appreciate you sitting down having this conversation with me. There's a lot of uh, things about your life that I find interesting and uh, perspectives that I don't understand and always like to gain new perspectives. Mm -hmm. Um, I've known you since you were in middle school. Yeah. And now you're almost halfway done with college, right? Yep. So... The question I like to always, uh, I like to ask people a lot is, uh, how much do you know about like your origin story? Like the entire meeting of your parents and them getting together and then bringing you into the world. Yeah. So it's my parents. I asked them a lot about it. So I know, um, a lot how, like I've gotten here. So my parents met, um, in El Salvador, they went to school together. Um, they got together, and at some point, my dad 
thought it'd be a good idea to come over here. I think he moved here when he was 19 um, to give um, my mom and my sister a better life. Um, and then later on, my mom came here for the same thing, but she had to leave my sister behind. And from there, it's um, it's been a struggle. And through between that, my mom had me and it's just been moving constantly until we finally finally settled down here. And it's just, we've been here ever since. Are your parents the same age? My dad's three years older than her. So when, you're, when your dad moved here, you said he was 19? Mm -hmm. So at the time your mom was 16? Mm -hmm. And they had already started a family? Yeah. It's not uncommon over there. So I know here it's like taboo kind of thing, but no, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not judging. I'm just, I'm just, that's very interesting. Yeah. So you say it's, it's common in El Salvador for uh, uh, families to start really young? Yeah, it is. That's why family over there is surprised that I'm, <laughs> I'm almost 21 and I still don't have a kid, you know? Really? Yeah. Is that pressure? It is because they're constantly asking, where's your boyfriend or when am I going to be a great grandparent or whatever? And it's like, oh, it's not something I'm looking for right now. You have an older sister. She already started that process? Yeah, she has a son. He's two. Okay. So you're really just uh, behind on the times huh? for a, a young woman in your culture? Yeah, I am. You said uh, that you asked a lot about this. Why was it important for you to... Why is it important for you to ask these questions about your origin? It's just to feel more connected with family back home and just like the culture in general. Cause obviously I, I wasn't born over there. Um, and I'm a child of immigrants. So that in itself is something I am very proud of. And I like want to know how my parents got here. I remember I used to always ask them like, their journey from El Salvador all the way to the U.S. and how that affected them and how they see themselves now and before they came here. Do, do you get the sense that they miss being in El Salvador or? They do. They always talk about um, going back home. Uh, right now we're in the process of getting my mom her residency. She hasn't been back in I believe a decade um, she misses her family all her family's over there so sometimes she feels like she doesn't have anybody apart from her immediate family here um, so since we're on the process of that she's like very excited she's already planning on when she wants to go and stuff like that so for someone who doesn't understand what does it mean for her to have a residency it just means she gets to go um, travel back and forth um, to her home country without, because uh, right now she only has temporary, it's called TPS. I think it's called temporary protective status. Uh, it just means she gets a, a work identification card, meaning that she can work here and she has a social security but she's not able to travel 
because there's certain restrictions. Um, with the residency, she's able to do that without having to wait too long for an acceptance for a visa. So if she leave, if she were to go home, they might not let her come back. Exactly. And you know, you weren't even alive when when uh, when when she moved here. And you're in your twenties now, so you're saying your mom hasn't been home your entire life. She was able to go uh, back when I was ten, I think. Yeah, when I was ten. Cause she got, she had to file or a request to go back. Um, they accepted it. And since then she hasn't been able to. So she's been back once mm -hmm. to your knowledge. Yeah. Does that mean you've never been to El Salvador? I have a long time ago. I was probably like eight or nine. Hmm. I couldn't go with my parents. I had to go uh, by myself with my grandma. Really? Yeah. So I understand now. So is this why you, you feel like, you know, you can't connect to a place that you haven't seen that much, but it's so uh, significant in your upbringing in your life? Yeah, because I'm not, we're not from Mexico, right? So all I see around me here is like the Mexican culture. And I identify as Latina and I have pride in that and I want to know how my culture works because it's so different from the Mexican culture and when I meet someone who is Hispanic but not from my country you know I would like to give them insight onto how my culture is because mm -hmm. I don't want to be saying oh yeah I'm from here and then not know how it is over there. You meet, um, like you said, there's a lot of, you're in Texas, so a lot of the Latinas are, you know, Mexican, right? Is that what, is that typically what you run into? Yeah. Most of my family, my friend group is Mexican. So, so what are some of the like major stereotypes that you, because I'm, I'm assuming people assume you're Mexican all the time, right? Mm -hmm. What are some of the major uh, misconceptions between that you can think of between El Salvadorian and Mexican culture? I think the biggest is the that El Salvadorians are in gangs because that's that's all that's portrayed here is just the gangs over there and how violent we are. It's, that's the major one I can think of. Ours is... Um... The language to say? Language, it, we speak Spanish. It's just a different dialect. Mm -hmm. our, ac our accent can be different. And what, if I speak Spanish to a Mexican person, they would tell pretty quickly I'm not Mexican. Really? Yeah. If, if you're speaking to somebody, um, do you have you ever mistaken uh, somebody who was from El Salvador for, for a Mexican? Has that ever happened to you? Uh, not really, because I haven't met, when I meet a Salvadoran person and I hear, meet them and they start speaking Spanish, like, you're Salvadoran, because that's how I met one of my friends. Uh, we both speak Spanish and we started talking and her accent sounded f familiar, like it sounded similar to like how my parents talk and I asked her like, hey, are you Salvadoran? I was like, yeah, it's like, it, it can, it's pretty easy to 
differentiate differentiate the two. Um, I'm gonna come back to that, but being born here and being the child of immigrants, when do you think you realized even that you were an immigrant or a child of an immigrant, your parents were immigrants? How old do you think you realized it was, that was the case? Like how, when I realized that, how old I was when I realized Yeah, that? I mean, cause you're born here. Like you weren't, you, you didn't, you weren't part of the migration, right? I mean, so uh-huh. you start realizing, okay, and you step outside, you're like, okay, this is, inside my house is Salvadorian, outside my house is not. Yeah. Uh, I realized that at a really young age, I was probably like, what, seven or eight, because I remember, when was it? Yeah, it was seven. I was at seven, because obviously at home, we only ever speak Spanish. Once you walk out, you have to adapt. And I always, like, I would hear classmates talk about, like, their parents and where they work and how they grew up. And then, um, obviously, my story is different. Like, my parents didn't have the same job. They didn't finish school and, you know, stuff like that. You said they didn't finish school. Are you saying, like, grade school? Like, they didn't finish? Or are you... Yeah, my dad dropped out of school probably the fifth grade. My mom dropped out in the seventh. And never went back? Mm-mm. And what about your sister? Did she finish? She finished high school over there. And then she came here? Mm-hmm. So you were the first person in your family to, to graduate high school in America? Yeah. What is the what is the reception like for that uh, from the rest of your family? And they they always say they're proud of me and like now the pressure is on because it's like you have to graduate, like you're the first person um, to ever go to college and like you have to graduate because you'd be the first person to do that. So the pressure is there for sure, but I also know that they're proud of me. Yeah. That's a lot. I mean, when you, I mean, it's, first of all, it's really cool that you know so much about your origin story. A lot of times when I ask that question, I don't know why, but a lot of, a lot of young people don't ask or, you know, haven't dug into, you know, where they come from. For me, it's, it's a significant question because both my parents passed away while I was in high school. Mm-hmm. So those kind of questions, I don't, I didn't, by the time I realized I wanted to ask those questions, I couldn't add, I couldn't ask them because my both my parents were gone. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just really cool that you you kind of got a grip on, you know, what your parents' life was like before you and what it's been like since you've been here. You said that uh, it's been a struggle uh, for your family since coming here. What do you What did you tell me more about that? Yeah, we. How do I put it? We've been moving around a lot. Um, obviously, before my parents got the protective status, um, they'd have to work odd jobs, you know. Um, my mom started off uh, cleaning houses. I remember she would tell me um, she would take the bus with her mop and bucket to go clean houses, and she'd have to, 
when it was winter, she'd have to stay out like in the cold to wait for the bus. And my dad used to work construction and a bunch of other stuff. Um, and they'd moved uh, depending on where they got a job at. Um, we lived in, before they had me, they lived in California. I was born in Dallas. At some point we moved to Denver. We came back, we went, we stayed in Bridgeport, Decatur, Irving, Dallas. We've pretty much been everywhere. Uh, it's just for them to like make money and support the family. Um, right now, where they've been at, they've been there for about 12 years. Mm -hmm. um, but my dad still works a side job. My mom still works a side job. I help my mom in that side job. So, I mean, from then till now, there's been progress, but, you know, it's still something we are working on. You said, so you basically have to move where, where you can be allowed to support the family. Yeah. Basically. Mm -hmm. And you said, protective status for somebody again who doesn't know what that means what does that mean to get protective status it just it means for my parents at least for my mom um she got that status because of a hurricane um that hit the country when she was moving here so it was like a sort of aid for like the refugees that were coming here um they with people with a protective status they get a social security number and they get like a work permit to legally work here. Um, but with that, they have to renew it every year and it can be taken away at any point. I mean, since it's temporary at some point, um, it, I believe 2016, 2017, um, they were planning on taking that whole program away. So we were, my parents like sat me down or already talking about like if anything happens to us you're gonna the name's under your house everything's under your house uh, under your name I mean um like your grandparents are gonna come over here and we're gonna have to figure out where to go from there 2016 I feel like you were still in middle school I think I hit I think I was a freshman in high school okay, just barely uh, in high school mm -hmm. Okay, so in 2016, your parents are saying, look, they might take this program away and we will have to go back to El Salvador. Yeah. But since you are an American citizen, you can, you can, everything is in your name and preparing you to be okay. Yeah. Or at least be here. Yeah. Man, what, that's a lot to take in for somebody. I mean, you were 14, 15 years old at the time. Yeah. Do you remember how you felt hearing that? I was, I was scared, you know, cause my parents would go to work. Like I'd be at school and I'd just be texting like, Hey, is everything okay? Cause like, you never know, like they could be pulled over and then taken into custody. And then all you hear, like, you might just get a call. like, Hey, like we might get deported, that kind of thing. So every day you walk out the door, you got to worry if you're going to be able to come home to your parents. Yeah. Because at any moment. Yeah. 
And the protective status is, like you said, it's temporary and can be revoked at any time. It's still, it's still like that? It can be revoked at any time? It can. You just got to renew it every year. Most of the time, they, they'll renew it, like no problem, but there are some implications that can happen. Like you get arrested or you get like a ticket of some sort or multiple. So you got to keep your head low. Yeah. Any hand. Uh, I get anxiety thinking about having to live under them circumstances, but I mean, I'm guessing that's, is that like all y'all know? Yeah. Yeah, we always talk about, um, I always hear my parents talk about having to go renew um, their permit and then having to get all like the paperwork they need. And um, with that protective status, they have to renew their driver's license every year. So I'm always hearing about like, oh, we have to go renew it. We have to go here, we have to go there. So it's it's just a common topic at our house. Why do you, why do you, believe that your parents migrated here in the first place to for my dad his family had already migrated here before him so my grandma was just bringing him over here just to have her whole family here my mom was different because she's the first well she's the only person in her family that actually came here the reason she did that is to provide for my sister and the rest of her family to give them a better life. So even though they're still in El Salvador, she came here to earn money to send back to El Salvador? Yeah, and she's been doing that ever since she moved here. Is she like the oldest in her? Yeah, she's the oldest of three. And she's still the only one here? Mm -hmm. I imagine that's pretty sad. It is. At times for her. Yeah, it is. She won't say it. But I can tell, you know, it's easy to tell. Yeah. And she came here as, how old was she when she got here? She came here when she was 19. Okay, so three years after your father? Mm-hmm. And they were still a couple? They were, but obviously long distance, it's hard. Right. So I don't know what happened with, in that time. But when she came here, she... Uh, moved in with my dad and his family. Hmm. And tell me again how, how far they went in school. My dad dropped out fifth grade. My mom dropped out seventh grade. Um, so basically elementary, middle school education. Come mm-hmm. here speaking English or no? None. So I'm saying all this to say to paint the picture of how miraculous it is to come here with a fifth and seventh grade education, not speaking the language. And I know it's been a struggle, but to survive it all under them circumstances sounds incredible to me. Yeah, I always tell them that it's like amazing that they've come this far um, into like a foreign country that they knew nothing about but they knew that it offered uh, an opportunity for them. And I was like, I'm, I'm always proud of them, even if we're going through hard times now. Like, I always tell them, like, I hope you know that, like, you should be proud of yourself because I am. To, to, yeah, 
Exactly. And to, first of all, it's cool that you acknowledge and validate them in that way mm -hmm. um, to, to do what they did and to give their daughter an opportunity right now. You're at UNT, right? Yeah. So coming from what they came from, I mean, there's no privilege in what, what you're talking about. There's no privilege coming from what they came from and to give their daughter an opportunity to get a college education at a major university. Um, you know, and that's not to discount or, 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 you know, discredit how hard you work because you still work hard, you know, but the opportunity given, um, yeah. you know, that's incredible to me. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I always tell them that if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at. And I like, I'll, I'll always be grateful for that, you know? Yeah. Have you always been able to speak English? English isn't my first language. Obviously, before I started school, all I ever knew was speaking Spanish. And when I started school, they had to put me like in a, a, the two bilingual classes, you know, and one mm -hmm. class is going to be Spanish, the other class is going to be English. Yeah. Is that, is that, can you remember how it felt to, to be in a school setting and half the time people are speaking a language you don't understand? I, I would feel anxious, like uncomfortable because obviously I didn't know what they were talking about. And like, I didn't know if they were talking about me. I started, I would start overthinking and like, it would be scary sometimes and but at some I think by second grade or third grade I had learned English well enough to understand it obviously I did I don't remember if I spoke it well but I knew enough to understand it when you think back on those times and you get into a situation where there's somebody in the room speaks Spanish can you remember what that would feel like if I would like with teachers, if I saw a teacher or someone else, like a classmate that spoke Spanish, like I would feel more relieved because I knew someone else like, oh, like would relate to me. Because um, obviously for some schools that I went at were primarily only English speaking schools. And if I saw someone that spoke Spanish, we'd just speak Spanish together because it was just easier. Do you feel like uh, a lot of people, as you go through your, your, you went through your school life, do you feel like a lot of people related or did not relate to your personal experiences? Did you find people that related? I did, uh, especially, I, I want to say like first grade, my kinder in first grade, because that school was in a neighborhood that was predominantly Hispanic. So a lot of us kids at a lot of the students there were kids of immigrants so we all related to a lot of stuff but once I moved to another place to another school it was predominantly um white students so obviously it'd be harder to assimilate to that environment because they wouldn't know what I was talking about you um thinking back to you know I don't know how long we've been on, 30 minutes we've been talking here. And uh, 
and I, I talked to you on the phone the other day and combined the entire time that I've known you, this is the most I've heard your voice or heard words come out of your mouth. Yeah. I remember your face extremely well when you were in middle school because you always, <laughs> you know, I don't know, I just say it, you always kind of look sad. <laughs> but but I didn't you never spoke. Like so and now you have person you have more personality, it seems like you're more outgoing. But I want to go back to when you were in middle school. Do you remember or know how you felt or why you were just so quiet all the time? It at that point in my life, it was I had moved recently. So I was just kind of tired of meeting new people, creating friendships, and then having to start all over. And before I started middle school, I went to an elementary school where, where I would get made fun of. So that, that I think at that point is where I stopped talking because I just didn't want to get any unwanted attention from anybody. Because if I stayed quiet, no one put it no one would pay attention to me no one would bother me or no one would make fun of me you know what would they make fun of they call me a crybaby <laughs> they would call me a crybaby because like i am very like sensitive i can get emotional um so i there was a kid that always would say something to the rest of the class to make them laugh at me and that would like Obviously, that would make me cry, right? Because you don't want people making fun of you or just laughing at you. And it when I when they told me that I had to move schools again, I think that was the first time where I got excited because you know I wouldn't have to see the kid again. It was that tough one, you huh? Yeah, I my mom told me the story where a parent because we had the same class for I think two years straight. I think she told me that um, there was one day he started like making fun of me again and I got so frustrated that I ended up throwing a colored pencil at him <laughs> and I got sent down to the principal's office. My mom got the call and lo and behold, I'm the one who ended up getting in trouble. You know, that's, and my mom got frustrated because, you know, I'm the one like we just got tired of it but the and I'm the one that got in trouble for not the kid who's been doing it to me for years you know yeah school system fails again and I'm not a big fan even though I was a teacher so <laughs> I just these these stories I hear too too often from my yeah. taste um so your 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 idea in middle school was if I kind of go unseen nobody will bother me yeah yeah kind of feel like you did good because I don't remember you walking in and out of rooms or nothing you just appeared (laughs) (laughs) you know and I I had to kind of track you down sometimes to to try to find you Um, yeah I'm one of those kids that would like hang out with friends I just go to class and then get a ride home from my neighbor yeah I understand. You know, this, this, you caught me off guard when you reached out, like I said, because you didn't say two words, you know, but I think I posted something about um, people don't remember 
you know, always remember what you did for them or whatever, but or what you said to them, but they they always remember how you, you made them feel. Yeah. And you took the time to reply to that message and you sent me this long message, which again was more words than I knew you had. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like that really, first of all, it's really what I needed. So I really thank you for that at that time. Yeah. But um I'm asking you this because I want people to understand how important it is to treat people, even if you don't know or understand exactly how you're treating them, what that means to them. But why was it important for you to take time? Because you didn't have to, you didn't have to do that. Why did you take the time to tell me that that day? Um, for me, it was just because you, even though obviously like you said I didn't talk at all um with the short conversations we did have like it impacted me in a positive way um because it let me know that someone talking to me isn't always going to be negative you know Mm. like someone does care and I would go home and tell my mom about you because you also give you would give us the love you would give us the love packs and she would always ask, who gave you that? It's like, oh, Mr. Corley did. Uh, like, he's really cool. Like, he's really nice. And, and I think since it was after the whole, like, bullying thing, like, she finally saw that I was, I was no longer, like, sad, you know, because of, like, your kindness, you know. So that's why I chose to reach out and let you know that even though we didn't talk often or long enough, like even those short conversations helped me a lot. You said somebody talking to me isn't always bad. Yeah. That's really where your mind went? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're gonna make, you know, they're, gonna, they're gonna start calling me to cry baby in a minute. You're gonna make me <laughs> <much cry. laughs> Uh. I might have asked you two or three times already why you said why because I really wanted to know like why did you do that but now that's the first time you answered it like that and that really got me um yeah thank you for telling me that those love packs um you know I got involved with that while I was at uh at the middle school and it really gave me a different it changed the way that I viewed students in general you know because it's like the way I saw it before is you either perform or you don't perform but the nest the necessity of those love packs is basically people are going home over over long breaks and because there's there's what they're called food insecure there's not a lot of food at home you know and then you know you you sit at home without those love packs and you might struggle to eat or you might not have enough to eat or or things like that and then you expect these kids to come back to school and be like you know give me the Pythagorean theorem you know it's like I'm not eating yeah um tell me about those love packs and you know if they were necessary did they really help what did it do for the family any of that uh, for us, it helped a lot, even the small bags, because there would be 
weeks where we didn't have enough to go grocery shopping. So with the love packs, me and my brother had enough to get us through um, until the next time we could go grocery shopping because without those, I think we would only be able to eat like a ham sandwich or just like tortillas with butter. Um, and for a lot of the time we would get told that my parents make enough to provide for the family, not knowing that we live paycheck to paycheck. So sometimes we'd go months, we'd go times where they couldn't be able to pay for the bills. But even then they, my parents would prioritize like food. Even it was just a little bit, um, it still helped. And then with the love packs, it helped tremendously because that would take like some of the stress off of their shoulders. And we still get them now. Like my brother for spring break got um, a big box um, of food and me and him have been eating um, from it. I think we still have it. <laughs> and obviously we still, sometimes we don't have food at home. So I'll just grab like a box of mac and cheese from the love pack box and make it. Wow. Oh man. And you, uh, and you, um, you know, I know the schools that you've gone to, so I do understand that. Although there are people that there are a lot of people that have the same type of story. There's a lot of privilege to the left and to the right of you as well. And I want to know how does that affect you or how does it impact you when you hear somebody complaining about something? So I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't want to minimize anybody's feelings or anything like that. But when you hear people complaining about things that are, you know, not the same complaints that you would have, how does it make you, how do you, how does it impact you? I mean, obviously I try not to judge for, for the most part, I tell myself like, honestly, you're kind of lucky that you have to think about that and not worrying about where your next meal will be other times I it's like I wish those were my only complaints you know I everyone has their own personal um issues that they're going through and I'm not gonna judge them for having a small complaint like that right. because I'm not living the same life they are but I've always put it in a mindset of I wish I only had those complaints or like that person is honestly lucky to only have those because I wouldn't want them to be in my shoes you know how vocal were you during the times you middle school through high school how vocal were you about what you were experiencing or were you just kind of keeping it to yourself for middle school I would keep it to myself a lot because I think at that point I was still trying to adapt I I was starting to make friends but it wasn't we weren't close enough to like for me to let them know like, hey, I'm going through this right now. And I think it wasn't until uh, high school where I would tell like close friends like, hey, I might not be able to <laughs> go out this day. I have something to do or mainly because I just didn't have the money to go. When I was uh, when I would when I would um, pass out those love packs, a lot of times. Um, 
some kids would duck me because they were embarrassed to mm. receive them. Um, right now you're talking about it very openly. Like, I want to know what are your feelings on having like publicly received or, you know, having people see you receive the love facts. You know, you're still a kid at the end. Of, I mean, at the time, you're still a kid at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I I was never embarrassed for it. I Honestly, I would look forward to getting a love pack because that meant like we have food at home. Um, I'm still like, even now, like, I'm glad my brother gets those love packs because that means he won't have to starve either. Because my mom, obviously the school said that she makes enough money to give him money for meals. Because I used to get, what was it called? Reduced lunch, I think. Mm -hmm. I used to have reduced lunch. But after I left and my brother started, I think, middle school, um, they took that away from us. So, like, he has to pay for lunch. And he'll go without lunch at school so with the love packs it still helps because he'll take something from the love pack for lunch yeah why why does he have to go without i mean why did they take it away from from y'all they said that my parents make enough money to give him lunch money obviously they my parents have gotten raises and bonuses since like i left but it's still not enough for them to give my brother at least 20 bucks for lunch. And my brother hates asking for money too. So he won't even say that he didn't eat lunch. Yeah. Cause he doesn't want my parents to feel bad, you know? How do you find out? I think we were just talking and I, I think I said, what'd you have to, what'd you have to eat for lunch today? Cause like I would tell him what our lunches used to be. It's like, oh, I didn't eat anything. I was like, what do you mean you didn't eat anything? It's like, oh, I have to pay for that. It's like, really? I didn't know that. So that's how I found out. And I think at some point, he's he said, I slipped up. I told mom. <laughs> so now my parents are always asking, do you have money for lunch? Mm. And they'll give him like 10 bucks or 15 so he he was he didn't want to bother your parents with the fact that he wasn't eating yeah sorry no go ahead uh yeah i was gonna say like he says like he sees kids like their parents would give him like give them 50 bucks to get lunch um and like he thinks to himself like I think he told me, like, even if our parents aren't able to give us money all the time, he's so grateful that they even give him any. Because most of the time, like, we grew up just knowing that we don't have enough for a lot of things. So we we adapted to not ask. We, we didn't want to ask because we knew how they were struggling. And even if now my parents can give him something, he's just gotten so used to not asking and he'll go without eating. If that means my parents don't have to give him any money. Does, does, does that kind of put pressure, more pressure on you? Now that you're an adult and you're working and. Yeah, uh, 
there's since I'm working now, I I've I've helped with bills before, utilities. Um, I've given my brother money for lunch when I knew my parents couldn't. Um, is to me, I like to think that I'm helping my parents a little because before me, before I even start work, it's just them too. And now with my income, I can help alleviate some of that. And then my brother's already talking about wanting to work for the same thing, so. He's a, what what grade is your brother in right now? He's a freshman. Hmm. You, uh, so when did it become realistic to you because we we talked about how you obviously sometimes didn't perform well in middle school, um, academic wise. I mean, obviously other things going on. Not to say you weren't capable. You're obviously capable, right? You're in college now. Yeah. But so when did it become realistic? You like you know I could really go to college. I don't know, honestly. I'm. If I'm being completely honest, I'm surprised I've gotten this far. Because <laughs> I think senior year, I didn't even want to take the SATs or start applying to colleges because I didn't think it was financially realistic for me to go. You know, I was just going to start working full time and help at the house because last thing I the last thing I wanted to do was get loans and be in debt. Because, I mean, we already are. And I'm not trying to stay in that cycle of poverty, you know. And I found out about, like, going to community college first and then transferring over. So I don't think it was until, like, a few weeks before school started in the fall that I feel like, you know what, I'm going to take classes at Colin see if I can pay that off. And if I can, I'll keep going and I'll see where that goes. So I never had a plan. I never thought that I'd end up going to a university. Did anybody put that in your head or you just kind of came to it on your own or what happened? I just came up to that on my own because like I say I witnessed my parents struggling to pay their own things. I couldn't possibly ask him to pay for school knowing how expensive school is, you know? So when you started to think about going, like, again, all you saw in front of you was struggle. Like, you're the first, so there's nothing in front of you. Sometimes yeah. you have to, you know, see what you're trying to be, but there was nothing for you to see. So yeah. where did you see, like, okay, even start trying to think about taking SATs and ACTs, even start thinking about, financial aid and applying for colleges where did you even get these ideas I got it from my friends the ones that like already knew how like the college system works like even before going into it like just applications financial aid and all that stuff I learned it from them I would just constantly ask them like hey how do I do this FAFSA thing <laughs> how do where do I go to apply for these colleges or, like what do I have to do because Obviously, I had to figure everything myself, like everything on my own. I couldn't ask my parents, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I had to find people who already knew about it. Um, 
to see like, okay, if I do want to go to school, I have to do this and this and this. Yeah. yeah that's dope. It's good to have, you know, a certain type of friend group to, to influence you. You know, they say, you know, you look at the five people you're around the most, you know, I'd be able to tell you who you are. Um, so that's kind of dope. Yeah. They're the ones that like, honestly push me like to go to school. Cause was it starting junior year of high school? I think I was kind of like in a dark place. Like I thought I was once high school starts, like that's it. Yeah. Like once I graduate, like that's it. You know. Yeah. Then you just out here working like everybody else. Yeah, and obviously, I would think about that. It's like that's not how I want to live. And then like stuff between junior and senior year had happened, and like my like mental health kind of deteriorated at that point. Things got worse, and like college was the last thing, you know. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it? Or you want to keep it to yourself? I can talk about it because, you know, I'm sure there's other people that are going through it right now. So, so what happened between junior and senior year? I think I hit, like, junior year is, like, the starting point of, like, focusing on SATs and, like, ACTs in college and all that stuff. And I, I notice this now, like, I compare myself to people. I compare myself to everybody. Mm-hmm. So when I realized that um, just like I was just an average student and I would see like AP students and dual credit students and people getting like 1500 on the SAT score and all that stuff, like that was, that's what made me start overthinking. Like, do I even deserve to go to school? You know, and then I think, yeah, it was senior year. Like it was already bad at that point. And then I lost someone and that's where, you know, that's where I thought like, what's the point, you know? You see your mental health took a dive right there. Yeah. But then I would ask myself, I would tell myself, like, you have to keep going for your parents, for your friends, because they know that you can do great things. I mean, it's, sorry, I hate crying. <laughs> it's good for the soul, it really is, but yeah. I understand. Yeah, um, I, it's hard. I mean, I still struggle with, struggle with it now, but I always bring myself out of it by telling myself, like, you have people that depend on you and you just can't let them down by leaving, you know? Right. I never talked about it until recently because you know, I, 
I always thought that I can deal deal with it on my own because they're my own issues. Like I can't tell somebody what I'm going through because they won't know how to help me, you know. But so I, you felt isolated because you felt like nobody would understand what you were dealing with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't want to put that burden on people because like you tell something to somebody that's like so bizarre and like they don't know how to react so I I wanted to save them from that just kept it to myself you lost someone in like death is what you're saying like somebody died yeah someone um I was close to committed suicide hmm. and then I have someone else who's attempted so that's always been around me and I want to be here to let others know that are struggling with the same thing that you can get through it I mean I'm not gonna lie it's still hard but there's always some way to like heal you know you ever had your moments you get to that dark space where you feel like what's the point of being here i have it's not fun i look back and i'm at those times i'm like you were going through it like and that i still look back at those like even if those times were so bad i tell myself like be proud of yourself that you're still here that you've made it this far? I've had those times myself, several times over. Um, and it takes something or a moment or, or a person to get you to, to see that there is another side to it. Like there's the end of that dark tunnel. Sometimes it feels like the tunnel is endless and it's just one bad thing after the other and it's never going to get better. And then something comes along that gives you the hope to, to want to be here. And then um, for you to come out of it the way that you came out of it, given all the, the challenges that you faced in your life. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. You need to you know, be proud and of the fact that you're still standing. Because um, I don't know if, you, if you've ever processed your life like this, like we're doing right now, and taking the time to really look at it and say, man, this is not normal. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't. You've never done this before, right? No. How are you feeling like unpacking all this right now? I, it's crazy. Cause you know, like no one, I didn't think until now that I've gone through so much, you know, I just kind of like try to, put it past me like just keep going yeah. like eyes forward don't look back just like don't think yeah and and for the most part it's all you've ever known right it's the struggle yeah well you're here you're you know you graduated high school got through that part right um you came to the realization first of all, what was that conversation like when you came to tell your parents I think I'm going to go do this college thing. 
they got excited. They were like, we support you 100%. If there's anything you need, just let us know. We'll, we'll try and see how we can work stuff out. And I'm, I'm grateful for them because no matter what major I was going to decide on, they were going to support it because I know I have friends that like their parents, like you have to be a lawyer, you have to be a doctor, you have to be this. Um, but my parents were the complete opposite. It just, they were just proud that I decided that I still want to continue my education, you know? Yeah. I changed my major like three times while mm -hmm. I was still in college. Right. I did not know what I wanted to do, so. So, you know, you, you did the community college route and you transferred over to UNT mm -hmm. and you think you want to do emergency management at the time. Yeah. And it could change. You know what? That's okay. You know, look like, you, like I graduated with a, with a, a bachelor's in accounting. Okay. That's what mm -hmm. I did. And, you know, you know how you know me. <laughs> I'm, I'm an indecisive person too. And I didn't even go into college trying to be an accountant. I went in to, to do marketing and advertising and end up with an accounting degree. So it's okay not to know. I'm just saying that to say it's okay not to know. It can change. And you know what? Because guess what? You change. Yeah. You're going to change. So your interest in your, you know, and what makes, what gives you the peace is going to change. It's important not to force, um, force anything on yourself if it's not giving you peace. But why is it important in the moment for you to, 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 to consider emergency management services, small government? Uh, mainly because obviously there's a lot of already lawyers, doctors and all that stuff. And there's other ways to still help your community without being those things. And I saw that emergency management was uh, an available major I looked into it and it was like they were called like emergency directors so they like plan like escape routes and like they're the ones that do like how do I put it like emergency preparedness plans you know for certain situations certain scenarios like if there's a hazardous material that spills or um, there's like a threat to a school or to a mall or anything like that. Obviously we've gone through, we've witnessed that before and like, I just don't wanna sit there and wait for help. I wanna be the help, you know. That is really cool. Um... And I'm sure it's going to change a few times and it's going to be more complex yeah. uh, in the next year or two while you're trying to get out of uh, undergrad. Um, I want to say this too first, you know, you never know who's going to be listening to this, you know, like it, would it be, you know, would it make you uncomfortable if somebody was like, oh, I want to help that girl, you know? and they wanted to send some money or something like that, would you be uncomfortable with that? Um, maybe for the money part, because, you know, I just feel bad. Because, um, like, they probably could use that for something else. 
Let me tell you what I when 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 I would do things that were kind for people, and they would want to like people have tried to give me whatever money, food, whatever you know. And my only ask, and the same thing I'm going to ask of you is, when you have an opportunity to to do something kind for somebody, and you can pay it forward, that you just do that. And you ask the same thing of whoever you help, you know? So, I mean, if you're uncomfortable, I won't say anything about it, but if, if you're okay getting some help, you know, and getting yourself through this, because listen, when I was, when I was your age, I, my, my parents were gone. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I was legally an orphan coming out of high school. I was 17 when I graduated high school, I had my own apartment already as a senior in high school. And I didn't have any, and people would give me scholarships and, and check. This is before, you know, you couldn't cash app anybody back then, you know? So, but without those little pieces of help, I would not have succeeded. I would not have been able to get through and eventually graduate college and go for it. I mean, and it wasn't easy, you know, like I flunked out my freshman year of college because I was so busy trying to pay my bills. But again, people gave me money to get back on. So if you're uncomfortable with it, I understand, but if you're not, give me your cash app so I could make sure people support and help. And you don't have to feel guilty about it because people do things out of the kindness of their heart, you know? That's a real thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it. Is... Yeah, you can just text it to me. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to force you, though. If it makes you uncomfortable, I'm not going to force you. But I just, you know, it's an opportunity to take some of the pressure off. Like, you're doing a lot. And, you know, and everything you're doing is is coming from a, a kind, good place. The way you're supporting your family, your brother, and your parents. And, you know, what you deserve. You deserve some help. Um, and I'm not saying that because I, I feel sorry for you. You know, I just empathize with what you're going through because I've been there. I've been there when I didn't know. Like I was sitting in my apartment as a young person, not knowing how I was going to eat. Like I've been there, you know, and I had to do what I had to do. And so sometimes we have to accept the fact that we're different, accept the fact that we have gifts, accept the fact that we are special and we walk in different lights and work not to minimize that and be like oh i'm just doing what whatever anybody else no you're not doing what anybody else would do you're not you know and respect and appreciate what you've been able to accomplish because there's not a lot of people that could have walked in them same shoes and came out the way you came out you understand what i'm saying mm -hmm. um i want to take a moment i could ask you, i could talk to you all day long but the last thing I want to ask you is um, if somebody's out there, you know, dealing with any part of what you're dealing with, either, you know, food insecure or you're the child of immigrants, you know, or you're afraid that you're not good enough or worthy enough to go to college or you lost a friend uh, to suicide or lost a friend or lost somebody in general and you're just having dark times and don't know how to move forward. What are some of the things that you would say to somebody dealing, you know, if they set you in a room full of people dealing with this, what are some of the main things that you would impress upon them? 
I would, I would just say start small, you know, find something that you enjoy um, a lot and just get into the habit of like just that, doing that. Cause like for me, I, I like music. So like if there's a day where I'm just not feeling it, I just put on my favorite playlist and that usually helps me like just relax myself or get myself to be calm in that moment. And then I would also say that there's resources out there, you know, um, there's people that care, like find at least one person that you trust that won't judge you for um, what you're going through. And because sometimes just letting it out, talking about it helps. Because if you just internalize everything, it, you're just going to feel worse. And the cycle is just going to get worse. Um, obviously, going therapy is an option I personally haven't gone there yet it's something I'm looking into um some people say they don't need help I mean I've been there at some point I told myself that I could get through it but there's a point where you have to sit with yourself and just look back at everything that you've gone through and if you still feel down like you have to accept your like accept like we're not doing good we're not okay but there's always help out there you know um what else it's okay to be vulnerable i didn't think it was before but there's always like you said there's always light at the end of the tunnel even if the tunnel seems infinite. But times will get hard, but there's always a way to get out of it. Jackie, I believe that word is. I couldn't have said it any better. Um, I really appreciate you taking this time to open up for me and uh, share this story. This is way more i mean i knew you were going to have something to say or i wouldn't ask you to speak but this is way more than even i could have imagined um i feel like this is a very important story and uh, i'm very 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 proud of you i'm so grateful for you reaching out for me to me that day um to have this moment right here just you never know you know mm -hmm. um, so thank you thank you for having me A random act of kindness can go a long way in a person's life. I know that because what helped me survive was random acts of kindness, especially from strangers. People that may or may not have any idea how those moments impacted me and left an impression on me that lasted a lifetime. It's a large part of the reason I am the way I am today and why I encourage Jackie and anybody else 
to just pay that forward. If you feel impacted by any act of kindness, especially one for me, in return, just pay that forward. Because I know how much that made that meant to me, how much that made me pick myself up and not quit on the darkest days. And, you know, Jackie was uncomfortable with me even asking how or if I can solicit help on her behalf. You know, because you and I understand that mindset. You don't want to, you know, you don't feel sorry for yourself. So you don't want people to feel sorry for you, even though you recognize what you're doing is hard and you have a problem sometimes minimizing how hard what you're experiencing is and you know speaking for myself I had that issue and I feel like I saw that same thing uh, in this episode um, however I'm going to put Jaggy's cash app in the description of this episode and probably in the clips that I might post on the internet and if you have it in you do some kind even if it's small you know just the impact, not even the, not even the receiving any kind of monetary, not even the monetary value, even though that's important, but the impact of somebody going out of their way to just to help you when they don't have to, I can't explain to you what that means to somebody. And that very act has put me in tears more times than I can count. And I want to give that same feeling to this young lady because she is really pursuing her dreams and and she deserves it she deserves to be acknowledged in that way um, and the last thing I'll say about kindness is if you're not going to help at the very least do no harm just don't do harm you know it costs you nothing to be neutral but if you want to go a little, a little further past doing no harm then just help just be kind sometimes help doesn't even have to do anything with with actions just a smile or some acknowledgement or some validation or just simple respect just those things you can save somebody's life doing that you can save someone's life doing that I really appreciate y'all listening Um, and I hope I see y'all next week Thanks a lot for listening.